Okay, well, hello everybody. Glad to be back with you again. Uh, Chris and Carol Green, Fruitful Life Learning Center, and we're continuing with our Ready Responders to Rescue. Uh, we have made it all the way through to just about the end of this session. Uh, we, Our last thing that we talked about was uh, the struggles of grief and then the struggles of depression, and one of the things that's triggered in depression, really not just depression, something that we struggle with in most of our life is uh, what's called uh, faulty thinking, at least according to Dr. Chris Thurman. Uh, Chris Thurman is uh, one of the instructors for the American Association of Christian Counselors. He was uh, part of a video, a 30-week uh, series of that lessons that we went through when we took their course on uh, caring for people God's way. And we really love this, this man and his teaching. And so he identifies uh, several things that he calls uh, faulty thinking. And there's, I, I remember the first time going through this, there were things that I really had never even realized that are faulty thinking because it's, it can be so much a part of your life, you think it, it is being normal. So we want to take a quick look at the various types of faulty thinking before getting into the profile of a healthy responder. And um, we're ready to go. First thing uh, he lists, first of all, we're going to go through the entire list of what's considered faulty thinking. Uh, there are mag magnification, polarization, personalization, overgeneralization, uh, selective attraction, abstraction. Uh, abstraction, I'm sorry, and then emotional reasoning. All of these are various forms of faulty thinking. Now let's get into the definitions of them and then give a quick uh, explanation of them. And, and Dr. Thurman even offers some remedies or a new way of thinking. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, the first one is magnification, which is a heightened emotional reaction. Uh, the tendency to make mountains out of molehills. Eventually, um, in this type of faulty thinking, you run out of emotional energy. You you work yourself up. You're making this again this this molehill into a mountain, yeah. and that takes quite a bit of work. Um, there are, and I believe that there are a lot of people that operate in this type of mentality, this type of mindset. Everything is a major drama. Everything. I mean, every there there are no small matters. Everything. For the, the child knocks over a glass of milk. He's screaming and hollering at the same level as as somebody killing somebody killing another somebody. person. Yeah, so it's all the same. Murder and milk. It's all the same. And so that's a lot of emotional energy to, to spend. And um, um, but you have to be careful in it in ourselves because when you're in heightened states of uh, whether it's grief or depression, things stress. going wrong, stress. It is very easy to to magnify, to magnify the uh, issue out of proportion. everything, and just everything gets magnified, and that's one of the results of when things are going wrong in your life. It's very easy to just put the magnifying glass on everything, and to lose perspective yeah. as to uh, small matters and huge matters. Um, his remedy is to see an event in its proper size. Always step back. Wait a minute. This does not compare to, to the really huge things that are going on in my life. All right, polarization. Polarization is the tendency to think in terms of extremes. It's black or white. It's great or awful. It's good or bad. Usually the truth falls more, for, falls more in the gray. Um, you don't always see the full picture of an issue, especially if you're in it personally. You don't take the time to step back again and calm down and begin to see, to actually go through what actually happened, yeah. what people actually said, what was actually done, where this will um, lead. Okay. Um, a lot of times it's not either one extreme or the other, one pole or the other. It's somewhere in between because you're dealing with human beings. Yeah. You're dealing with different ways of thinking. You're, di you're dealing with different cultures. So it is never as simple as it seems. Yeah, well, I, I hear this a lot when it comes to polariz polarization in thinking. Uh, these are your 
uh, people who think in terms. They're, in fact, they're, it's their whole mindset of their life. I'm not even saying there's something right. wrong with that because no. there are people that are actually wired this way. They see thing, everything is a matter of it being right or wrong. Yeah. They live according to the word that's often used. They live, they live a very principled and disciplined life. And so when they see people make poor decisions, bad choices to them, the person has simply made a bad choice and it was wrong. And that's all there is to it. And they need to get themselves together and, and all of that. And what we're saying to you is that, uh, yes, you are correct that a person needs to make better choices. They do, but it's just not simply a matter of, of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. um, there are, uh, and, and, and even for those that are, that are people that are like that, when you hear somebody like me talking, they tend to think that we're just giving people excuses uh, for poor behavior, but it's not. There's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray. Things are not just black and white. And so when you are at polarizing uh, mentality, you uh, obviously you live your life that way. For you, everything is either black or white. And if things fall into the gray, here's the bad part, then you start giving yourself excuses uh, and not necessarily <laughs> extending uh, the, the kind of grace to people that you will give to yourself. And so what I'm really getting at is polar polarization is always thinking in terms of things as being one way or the other. Uh, concept that we've been introducing a lot more, even with Fruitful Life Learning Center, has been to, uh, because we believe in home churches, house churches, people gathering in small groups. Um, when they hear that, they think that that's all we're about a person who has polarization uh, as their mentality thinks that we are opposed to traditional church setting because we endorse church, I mean, uh, house churches. But that's not it. See, that's your polarizing mentality. We believe in both. It takes both. Some people do need the larger corporate setting uh, because they're not ready for the level of intimacy that you have in a small setting with just four or five people. Um, but then there are those who have been in the big, huge settings, two, 300 people for most of their life, and they feel disconnected. They feel like just a number lost in a crowd. Or they've been hurt. Or they've been wounded and hurt. And so they need and they're ready for the smaller setting. So what am I getting at? Uh, that's our way of thinking to combat polarization is we think in terms of both and, A-N-D, yeah. both and, not just either or. And so that's one of that's, the ways to combat yes. polarization. And that's recognizing the gray. Area. Yeah, it recognizes the gray. Yeah. yeah. The next one. Is personalization, uh, which is the tendency to overestimate the extent to which things are meant for us personally. Instead of letting it make a statement about the person who did it or said it. Well, we go through this a lot, uh, have been through it a lot in our many years of pastoring. And that is, if I preach a particular sermon and it strikes somebody a certain way, then they take it as if, though, I personally uh, stayed up all week <laughs> and all night preparing this sermon specifically to target them. <laughs> That's called personalization. <laughs> Everything that's said is not necessarily meant at you. And even if it's not in a, in a setting like a speech or a sermon, even when things are spoken out in the office, mm -hmm. and uh, it doesn't mean that everything that's said is targeted at you. If a new policy comes forth and that policy is going to really hurt or damage the way you do things, make you have to change, that the, the head of that company was not thinking about you sitting at your desk. You can feel like At it. your cubicle mm -hmm. and how they can just ruin your life oh, personally. Oh <laughs> That's what we mean by personalization. Yes. The policy is for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's make that more personal. Mm -hmm. You're having a conversation with people who you, who you think should know you, yeah. um, um, parents, siblings, cousins, yeah. uh, close friends, and they're making a statement uh, about you that you know is untrue. Um, let, in that moment, 
do not take it personally. It is their viewpoint. It's the view. It of is you. not. It is their view of you, and take it that way. Don't yeah. do not. They are not trying to hurt you in the moment. They are trying to communicate how they see you. It's a time to be able to uh, 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 solidify that relationship. You can take the time to explain that no, That's that not is me. that is not me. And when I do this, this is what I'm thinking when I when I do this, when I say this. Yeah. Um, you're, it will bring. Um, bring you closer in your relationship. Yeah. It would bring more understanding. Yeah. Um, I and, love how he said, and let it yeah. be, let it, let their statement be more about, about them. them. It is about it's, them. It's not, it's it is about, about how you. they see it's you. It's about how they see you, not about who you really are. Right. And you can be hung up, so hung up on, here's the thought that gets you hung up. They should know me better than that. Well, no. Human no. beings. Don't are let that hang you up. Please don't let that statement hang you up. Of yeah. the level that you think people should know you. They just don't. That's just a reality. Uh, even before we came on live tonight, we were talking about uh, how people that we have met here in the community, and they've evolved. That's a good way to put it. They've mm -hmm. evolved from the way they used to think, the, how they used to be. And so uh, uh, we, we're now meeting these people. Uh, here in 2017, but there are people who knew these folks back in 1990 something, and so they're still their view of them is still from 20 years ago, whereas me and Carol's view of them is based upon where they are right now, yes. and so yeah. uh, it's very important. Um, I, and I'm watching them do this. They they have not per they're not taking it personal when people still approach them from how they used to be. They know that it's a, it's more of a statement of where those people are. Yes. You're still 20 years ago. Yes. You're still, that's where you are. You're still 20 years ago. Yes. I'm not there anymore. Yes. So your assessment of me has nothing to do with me. Right. You're, you're the one that's there. Right. It, that is, it's where you still are yeah. in our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because I have moved on. Yes. Uh, I heard uh, 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 this pastor, somebody posted this video clip of this pastor. He was a, uh, performing a wedding and he was giving giving wedding advice to the couple and he told both of the couple he told the woman the, the bride and the groom he said now when you have problems with each other don't go talk to your family and he said to her he said he said don't when he does stuff don't go tell your family what he did because you'll forgive him and they'll still be mad oh yes <laughs> Talk about personalization. That personalization. They're still mad, but you didn't forgive him. Right? Because you just got it off your chest yeah. how you felt right. and what he said and what he did. Yeah. And then you forget. But not them. Right. <laughs> so that's why this is so, so very important. All right, moving to the next one. Overgeneralization is the tendency to take one bad experience and use it. To predict what will happen in the future. Oh. This is usually followed by self-fulfilling actions and words. Yeah. And fuels depression emotionally. Very, very true. It's very easy to overgeneralize. Um, and 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 I I know that personally this is probably one of the biggest ones that I struggled with for many years. I always refer to myself as being very pessimistic, but it's connected to this overgeneralization, uh, faulty thinking. Uh, just, just thinking that it happened once and therefore... I don't want this to happen again. And you, and you live uh, usually really predicting that it's going to happen. You expect it to happen again. And so you approach life, people, circumstances, always expecting it to be what you encountered yeah. the first time or the second time yeah. or the third time or whatever many times but you carry that you overgeneralize you mm -hmm. and yes it does end up becoming self-fulfilling yeah. uh, in other words I walk into the classroom kids laugh at me uh, because of what I how I was dressed or how I was looking or whatever uh, and then so the the mind gets set uh, because of that experience is going to predict that this will always happen and so you go into the classroom the next day and your mentality, the way you carry yourself, everything lends itself towards that happening again. 
It really does. It becomes self-fulfilling because now your attitude, your demeanor, the way you carry yourself. Sets it up to happen again. It actually sets it up to happen again. But yes. you Now the, it's the way that you carry yourself that literally begins to attract uh, the ridicule and the talking about you and the making fun of you and all of that. And I didn't realize that as a kid. I'm not saying I'm definitely not approving of bullying and saying that that makes it okay. But when bullying for yeah, using bullying, when when a person gets bullied, they actually move into overgeneralization. This expecting this, it, it happened once, it happened twice. It's always going to be this way, and so they they end up with this carrying this mindset into everything, even beyond their elementary school days, mm-hmm. on into high school, on into the workplace. It just seems like no matter where I work and what I, I always end up being the one that gets talked about. I say, yeah, because you're carrying it with you. Yes. <laughs> you're walking around pitiful. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're walking around and such just open, open. Yeah, because you expect it to happen and it does happen. Yes, because um, you're open to it. Yeah. You actually carry yourself in a way like you're making yourself literally a moving target. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dr. Thurman's uh, remedy for that, he said, <clears throat> is don't base your future on one event. Don't base your future on one event. Very important. Don't feel trapped to repeat don't mistakes. Don't feel trapped. Don't use uh, oh, generalization uh, at as excuses, as excuses not to try, not to try harder, and, uh, and that I love that one that he used that he said that because taking taking an exam, uh, I failed the exam, and so I'm not going to even I'm not going to even try again. I'm not going to even try to. Uh, you're 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 trying not to be disappointed again. You're trying not to be hurt again. You're trying right. not to be picked on again. <laughs> but you're shutting yourself off and you're opening yourself up to these things happening yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah. All right, the next one. Selective abstraction, which is a pattern of focusing on details to the point of excluding the overall picture or the big picture. You can't see the big picture for the little tiny detail. Uh, this leads to unhappiness because no person or situation is ever perfect in every detail. You ever, uh, this usually happens, I'll, I'll use this example because I know you'll get this one. The, the wedding can be awesome. Everything is just absolutely often awesome. Dresses, tuxedos, everything. And the only thing the bride can remember is the one bead of sequin that was out of place on her dress. (laughs) (laughs) She can't remember anything. And was so distracted by that. So distracted by it. She could not enjoy. Could not enjoy the entire day. That's what that's what is synaptic abstraction. Yes. yes. Now that's an extreme example, but that is where many people live. They never they can't ever see the big picture in their in their perfected perfection level expectation. Uh, that's a key word. That, that and that's where it was going. Because your expectation was not met. You can't. You cannot get past that expectation not being met. Yeah. Um, you, you're you're detail. you're stuck there, yeah. uh, rather than moving on, um, working around, uh, moving forward, finding another way. Uh, maybe you missed something, or maybe it was it was better that it, your <laughs> expectation was not yeah. met. Um, but you stay stuck in that unmet expectation. Yeah, from that and. That's because you get you get stuck on that little. Gotta see, it's a selective abstraction, because yeah. absolutely nothing, nothing goes absolutely perfectly the way anybody wants it. Ever, ever. Uh, I remember pointing this out to uh, uh, when back when I was producing music and everything, and and helping songwriters and helping young people get their uh, creativity out. And every once in a while, I'd come across the, the individuals who were such perfectionists that they didn't want to release the project at all because they couldn't perform it or do everything. And everybody else even around them couldn't do it the way they heard it in their head or the way they saw it in their imagination. 
And so I brought them into this reality and I said, every song that you've ever heard on the radio, music videos, movies, the works, nobody has ever produced anything that was exactly 100% of what they had in mind. It simply doesn't exist. Even the movies that won Academy Awards and the plays that won Tonys and the music that got, uh, that, that got, got the Grammys, there is somebody that hears one note, one word, one something <laughs> that they didn't like. <laughs> uh, one of our favorites, Earth, Wind, and Fire songs, uh, September. The woman who wrote the song, the woman who wrote the song, hated it. Well, she hated the body eye. She hated the body eye. She, she said that like should be body words. Body eye. Say do you remember body eye? She hates body eye. Why? Why? Because to her, to her, it sounds like she, she's a songwriter. So as a songwriter, she goes, she said, that sounds like I didn't songwriter that sounds ridiculous to her because I write lyrics but the person who performed it said we're the public is going to hear body eye and that's going to be a great hook and yes. they're going to remember it yes but as a songwriter she hated it because oh, I want it. words yeah. the performer says I don't care I want a hook and I need to fill in that space and I'm filling in the space with no words with just a feeling, yeah. not words. So that's what I mean. So while everybody celebrates, this is an awesome song. Ah! The songwriter, every time she hears it, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I saying that? That becomes selective extraction. Yes. It's not what I had in mind. Right. And so even though everybody celebrates it, I hate it because of one thing so and it's like that in all of our lives yes. there's something that's what we're getting at yes there's something that's not right or it's not our preferred right it's not perfect and it's not and, the way we imagine or expect it and we have and we have the tendency of then throwing away the whole thing yes. because of the one aspect that we don't like yeah wow yes so keep the broader context in mind <laughs> Instead of being controlled by a few negative, negative details, details. <laughs> will help you. Wow. Um, the next one is emotional reasoning, which is the tendency to make your feelings and emotions equal to the truth. Let me say that again. Ooh. Emotional reasoning is the tendency to make your feelings and emotions equal to the truth. For example, if I feel this way, it must be true. Yeah, and we've dealt with that in all of our families in some way or another. Uh, I remember watching Carol get into a conflict with the family member. Um, uh, she asked him to do something and he took an attitude uh, about it. And she was like, what? You know, she I just asked question. you to. I just asked you to. I think it was to move a chair or something. And he said, well, it's the way you said it. We said, well, I didn't mean anything. We said, well, it felt like you did, so therefore you did. That's what we mean by you, because that's what you feel, then you, then you, then it's the truth. That's how I feel it. That's, I feel that's what you meant, so that's what you meant. Because you can't possibly be wrong. <laughs> so that's what we mean. Feelings don't make it true. Feelings don't make it true. It's just a feeling. It's a feeling, but it doesn't mean it's reality. Now, here, it's how you perceived it. Now, here in a world like where we live today, I mean, Carol and I actually have taught this lesson in many settings. And in one setting that we taught this particular lesson on faulty thinking, and we get these surveys back from people following our presentations. And regarding this particular point, on the survey, a couple of people said we were making transphobic comments by addressing the issue of emotional reasoning. 
because, as we all know, the transgender issue uh, is I feel yeah. that I am a man or a woman, therefore I, I am, am, because I feel it. So this is viewed as being transphobic. transphobic. Rather than, rather what, than you, okay, what then, it is, is psychotic, this, because this that's is disconnected from, from reality. reality. And so I'm not going to get into no debates with anybody about the transgender issue, but I will not change the science of psychiatry and psychology and sociology to fit an agenda. Or fit, this is, to this, fit a feeling. Yeah, this is a feeling. Feelings don't make it real. Show me the science. And the reason why I must go there, True. and I know that many are going to get off on the red, I'm talking about transgender or, or homosexual. The, the issue is That's that for a kid who is ready to commit suicide because they feel like everybody hates them, I cannot bow down to the transgender agenda and tell this kid your feelings are real. They're not real because I'm trying to keep this kid from committing suicide because they think their feelings are real. So uh, for me, uh, we need to have that discussion on another level beyond feelings when it comes to transgender or homosexuality. We got to have that discussion on another level, but if we're equating it with, with feelings, that's not the place to try to debate with me on it. Um, and many psychiatrists, psychologists, sociologists, school teachers, counselors, therapists, and the rest. You're going to have to take that argument someplace else and on another level. Because for the people that we work with who are, have drug problems, alcohol problems, addictions, uh, depression, grief, uh, suicidal thoughts, we can't tell them that their feelings make things real, right. that it's truth because they feel that way. Um, the, it's what's called emotional reasoning, yes. and we must bring them up above emotional reasoning to bring them to the level of healing that yes. they need. Yes. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so, so you must separate feelings yes. from the truth. You must separate feelings from truth. Uh, the whole basis of... Uh, uh, a whole lot of the basis for uh, for our coaching is to bring people out of just uh, equating their feelings to reality. Uh, when we're preaching in our role as, as ministers, we have to pull people out of their feelings and into reality. Uh, so for us, this is not an attack on anybody that's transgender or anybody that's gay. This is not an attack on you for me to say emotional reasoning is faulty. No. Uh, it's because dangerous, I've got because to, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to you. because we it are dealing with we're dealing with people that we can't tell them that their emotions make things real. We're dealing in the world of people who are suic who are potentially suicidal, people with addictions, people who are on the verge of breakups with their families, yes. divorce. Uh, so we can't we can't tell them that uh, their feelings make things real. Right. We've got to tell them, no, that's emotional reasoning, right. and we we have to train and teach them to separate their feelings from the truth so that we can bring them out of their depression, bring them healthily yes. through their grief, and yes. especially bring people who are suicidal, suicidal into emotional and mental wholeness. health yes. and wholeness. Woo! Yeah. Well, bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. <laughs> Yes, Lord. Uh, now we want to move into just giving everybody the, what we call five keys to connect with people. This is also part of being a really good ready responder. We're going to go through this really quickly. Here are the five keys. First of all, number one, pray. Anytime you're going to work with people and deal with people, hear us ready responders. You must pray first. Seek guidance uh, from God yes. before you encounter and deal with people. Number two, engage people. Accept another's invitation to connect with their story and their journey. Please be willing to invite others into your journey and your story. Be real, be transparent. So first is pray, the second is engage. Uh, and that's why we've been going through all of this ready responder training because I know that uh, all of you, you may not necessarily have an outgoing personality. You, know, you may not necessarily go across the room and introduce yourself. No, we're not saying that. We're just saying that if someone approaches you, mm -hmm. don't push them away. Right. That's what we mean. Yes. Engage them. Yes. 
even though there's you not not you may not be a, an initiator of a conversation, but please don't be one that shuts it down. Right. Engage. Yeah. Um, and in fact, this training is to help you to know to, to where to even begin. A lot of times, people don't well will shut another person down or cut them <laughs> off yeah. because they're not sure of what to say. Um, or even how to to lead in the conversation yeah. or to take the conversation anywhere. Yeah. But this will help you to have a place of beginning. And as you're talking, or as the other person is talking, you're listening to them. Um, you're you're um, looking. You're looking at their uh, <laughs> looking at their bodies. Yeah. Um, how they're standing and how they're um, um, uh, how they're. Um, communicating to you. Yeah, so that's why and we're you're listening you. to the Holy Spirit yeah. as well. So you're so this at least gives you a beginning point. Yeah. So that's why we say pray because the Holy Spirit is going to help you mm -hmm. engage yeah. when they invite you into their yes. journey, into their story, into their life. And I know it can really drive you crazy sometimes because it's like I don't want to hear their story. They're going to tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> But it's so, so important because here's the thing. You never know who you're talking to. You never know. One of the things that got me out of self-preservation and conversation and only thinking, worrying about myself and all of that was uh, uh, sometimes I've told, I don't know if I've ever shared with you guys a story. Uh, one time when we had all the young people gathered at our house, we had some visitors, some young men visiting. And I could tell they were little gangsters. They had on their colors and their scarves and all of that. And I knew that they was... Uh, uh, I was so concerned about them checking out my house and uh, casing my house to come in and break in that I really didn't talk very much to them that night. I really, uh, even though I engaged a young man like I usually do, but I really wasn't engaging like I normally am. And uh, right after that, I don't know if it was a night or two later, that young man was killed in gang violence. And so... It so impacted me that I, I vowed never, ever again will I be so focused on me and mine and all that that I will not, that I won't engage, that I won't do my normal thing of asking questions and listening and all that. And that's part of the rest of the uh, connecting with people. But that's why we say this, because you never know. You could be someone's last conversation yes. before eternity. Yes. You just never know. So it's very important to engage with people. Uh, the numbers next step is three. Like Carol said, when you don't know what to say, uh, ask. Ask questions. Ask questions. Uh, uh, don't make assumptions. Please. Uh, uh, or act Please on don't them. act on them. In other words, if somebody approach, in other words, ask questions before you assume you know what they meant by what they said. Uh, because everybody doesn't know how to communicate their thoughts uh, completely thoroughly, clearly. So it's okay to ask them, what did you mean by that? Uh, very important. Don't assume that you know what they mean. Uh, then when they ask the question, number four, obviously, really listen. Uh, and Carol and I always have, we have this statement, listening is not just sitting there waiting for your opportunity to speak. You're not sitting there thinking about what you're going to say next. You're actually listening to what the person is saying. So you can get the answer to your question. And I do know that for many people, engaging really is more about setting up an atmosphere and a platform for me to talk. That's not what this is. <laughs> really listen. Uh, and then when you, when you really hear what they're saying, and like we said, uh, you're able to even ask more questions. In fact, ask, listen, steps three and four, you'll probably stay in there uh, the last, last five, the last three, four, and five, because the five is respond, you'll keep cycling back through that. Ask, listen, then respond, then ask again, then listen, respond, then go back to ask, listen, respond. So you know, obviously number five is respond. Spawn, uh, we say, is to, be, is to be responsive and not reacted. There's a two, to there's us, a there's a difference between responding to someone and reacting. Reacting is more in instinct, and most time instinct is coming out of fear and survival. Yes. Yeah. It's emotional. And so do more than just react to what they say. Sometimes people do say shocking things. That's why we will ask again, did I understand you to say? <laughs> you know, they'll say things in, in passing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, 
So now I, I just cussed my mother out and I said what I wanted to. And so you'd be like, wait a minute, did I hear you just say you cussed your mother? And so it's very easy to react. Because now you're reacting to what they said rather than responding. Because the reaction would just be, now hold up, you ain't Now that was just plain disrespectful. Yeah. Rather than finding out what was behind yeah. that that response to the to yes. mother. So ask what happened be, before. Yeah, ask would be what happened before that. Tell me about yeah, well, that whole why would you why would you cuss your mother yeah, out? That that's what we what mean. was what's the relationship like between you and your mom? Yeah. That's what we mean. Yeah. Reacting is just you jumped on what they did. Yeah. Instead of why. Go get to the why. So go back to ask. Go back to why why would why you why would you do that? Do that. <laughs> Why would you say that? And I know there can be like feel like that's a waste of time to do that, but it's not because I can guarantee you that most people have never ever had anyone ask them why they do what they're they do. They're used to people reacting, reacting to them. Reacting to what they did, but no and, and you'll be shocked as to how many people will say, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. Which will lead I've never to more had, questions. I've never had anybody ever to ask me why. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we mean by responding. Be inventive. Find out and offer solutions. Uh, if the solution does not exist, become an inventor in the process of discovering an answer to the problem. Yeah, I know that's, I said a lot, but I don't mean just make it, make up stuff. No. But this is really where you're trusting the Holy Spirit yes. to give me something. Yes. Help me. And so uh, that's what's the old phrase, um, necessity is the mother of invention. And so you find yourself in sometimes in a conversation where you need God to give you something creative and wise on the spot that yes. you never would have ever thought of on yes. your own. All right. And so that for us, uh, that's identifying the faulty thinkings and some of the ways to help you navigate it in yourself or working with other people. Yep. And lastly, we want to just give you Go through the profile of a healthy responder. Uh, uh, before we get into uh, a profile assessment, uh, that you, those of you that are watching, you won't be in on all of that. That's for us here. But before we close out this, uh, all of these weeks that we've been doing this for the Ready Responder, I'm glad that we're finally able to get to our healthy responder profile. So as you can see, this is what we have in mind when we're talking about you and I being ready responders yes. to rescue. Yes. First of all, um, to, un to help us understand what it means to be a healthy helper, uh, let's look at the explanations and models presented by Dr. Sandra Wilson uh, from her lecture produced by the American Association of Christian Counselors. Healthy responders are first are, are what she calls, uh, she uses what she calls the GROW acronym, GR, the, the GROW model, GR, O W and the G is for genuine. Uh, our, in, in other words, for us to be real, be authentic, be congruent, be consistent. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're if you're sitting and you're listening to a person, you're looking at them in their eyes. You're giving them your full attention. You might even be leaning towards them. It shows that you're interested, that you're listening, and that you are engaged. Yeah. And that comes under respectful. She moved right into respectful. Respectful R means demonstrate respect by uh, 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 taking confidentiality very serious. Mm -hmm. Don't go and repeat stuff that people tell you. In, yes. uh, take individuality very seriously. In other words, do not uh, think of people uh, in this way. Well, uh, you remind me of such and such. So I'm going to talk so to I'm you like talk to you in line. You remind me of my aunt. You remind me of my cousin. And yeah. then you start talking to them as if though they are that person. No, right. respect no. their individuality. Yes. Uh, uh, using respectful body language. Yes. And that's what uh, my wife was just talking about. Here's a very interesting uh, scientific statistic. Uh, statistic. 93 of communication is body language. Did you hear that? 93% of communication is body language. Only 7% is what you actually say. Mm -hmm. What people remember is... How you is, were looking at them. Is what, what were these you actually said. listening? Leaning forward. Yeah. Maintaining eye contact. Yeah. Stay focused on the other person. Yeah. That's what they remember. Yeah. They only remember 7% 7, 7 of the communication was what you actually said. Mm -hmm. I think about that when we were in career lane. 
how I had to be very careful of my body language because uh, Tracy was introduced, uh, she introduced us as doctors, Chris and Carol Green. So that automatically meant we needed to carry ourselves a certain way. Um, and for us, the carrying ourselves a certain way was, since we're coming in as professionals and we have a title like doctor, then it wasn't demanded these re people respect me. It was, I respect them. Yes. Yes. And she can tell you, we conducted every meeting with the utmost of respect for the people that were there. We didn't talk down, no condescension. Um, right. I did all of that. Remaining eye contact, the state focused on them the whole time because they felt like they were respected. Mm -hmm. People are already feeling down mm -hmm. and disrespected because of being unemployed. Right. You already got low self-esteem, depression, mm -hmm. uh, still going through the grieving process from having lost those jobs. And stressed. And stressed. So we came in with a respectful uh, demeanor and attitude towards the group. Did the same thing in the shelter with the staff, same thing with the residents. Every church that we go into and speak, we do this is very something for us that's very intentional as part of being a healthy responder. You must be respectful to the people that you are talking to and engaging. It's not about them respecting you. And many leaders have failed in this. Pastors, uh, instructors, they, they feel that with their title yes. and with their education, with their learning, they walk in with a haughty attitude, demanding and respect from people. But that's not the way it works. You have to, whatever level of respect that you want these people to give you, you have to give it to them first. That's really how it works. Especially when you understand that 93% of communication is body language. You ever wonder why there have been certain people that you've heard speak and you don't remember nothing that they said because of their attitude? Yeah. You don't remember the they, nothing. The way, the way they, they carry themselves and the way they talk down and condescending, you don't remember anything. Now, you were sitting there talking about how the they were talking time. down. <laughs> <laughs> all you remember is, is their body language. Yeah. To this day, all you remember is their body You go, yeah, they was... Walking all around like they oh, thought they was all, all that. And I'm, I'm like, but well, what did they say? I don't know what they said. <laughs> the next one of the of the grow principle is oh, open. Open means demonstrate respect. Uh, again, by welcoming body language, uh, appropriate and limited self disclosure. In other words, don't make the whole thing about you. And your experience your in trying to relate to yeah. uh, the person that you're, you're talking to. Yeah. It's appropriate and limited self-disclosure. Yes. Keep it limited. You don't have to, it's not the time to tell your life story right. while you're dealing with people. And uh, uh, unless there's different points that you feel like will help them yeah. know that you relate, yeah. but you don't have to get into the, all the details. Right. That's why it says it's, it's, it's uh, appropriate and limited. Yeah, very, very important. And then the last uh, is uh, w, w, which is warm. Uh, eliminate cold superiority with an attitude of humility. Woo! Man, I tell you, when we learned this all those years ago, I, one of the, one of the uh, uh, things that we so appreciate that said about me and Carol without making this all about me and Carol. See, it just said, don't make this all about yourself. <laughs> but one of the things that, for us, it means that we're being successful. And so when people say, we appreciate that you have an attitude of humility. And that is because this is one of the things that we learned um, all those years ago in our training. Uh, that you must be warm, eliminate cold, I mean they said you eliminate cold superiority with an attitude of humility. Yeah. People will will uh, connect with that even faster than your message. Definitely. They really will. Uh, and and we're not putting on an act either. I, we, no. I don't, I'm just like the Bible says, you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. I'm not putting myself underneath the ground either, you know, so don't think of yourself lower than you really are because we are the habitation 
of God, the Holy Spirit. So we have value. We have so much value that God sent his only son to die for us. But at the same time, I ain't God. <laughs> he lives within me, but I'm not God. And so uh, remain, uh, remain with an attitude of humility in all that you do, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one talk setting we're talking with somebody or if you get a chance to stand before a group uh, another thing about healthy responders number two healthy responder is committed to increasing their helping skills and that's why uh, we have provided this training and we continue will continue to provide training in the weeks and months and even years to come with the fruitful life learning center a healthy responder must be committed to increasing their helping skills by means of training books conferences, uh, learning from helping mentors, from uh, you know others who are doing the same thing. Uh, you'll, in, you must be committed to help uh, to increasing your listening skills. And we're going to be very much uh, active in doing that. We're going to uh, uh, incorporate uh, some of the lessons and training from someone to tell it to. Wonderful, wonderful group of people who have actually, um, uh, we're, uh, working now to begin to collaborate and work together and that's their specialty yes. is training people how to listen we always talk about listening but why reinvent the wheel when you got somebody who does this uh, regularly trains yes. people who has to an listen, expertise in expertise it. in training people to listen so we're going to bring them in to help us with our listening uh, skills and with our listening skills our, our goal is not to demonstrate what we already know when you're talking to people, the goal is not to demonstrate what you already know, but to find out more about the person that we're trying to help. And that's use that as a guiding principle yes. when you're ministering to people. It's not about you and I getting a chance to tell them how much we know. It's really about us finding out more about them. Like what you always say, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. That's it. So our goal is to clarify understanding. When, you, when you're talking with people, it's always you're trying to get understanding. The reason why you're asking questions is because you're trying to get an understanding. The reason why even when you're talking to them is because you're trying to uh, draw them out so that they, you can get an understanding of where they are. You have to focus more on helping the other person than on demonstrating your wisdom. <laughs> Number three, the healthy, healthy responder is committed to increasing self-awareness. Now, self-awareness is not the same thing as self-absorption. <laughs> I know many people cringe when they hear that word. They hear a life coach, they hear a pastor talking about self-awareness and self-esteem, and they feel like we're bringing in new age mysticism and beliefs and all that kind of stuff. No, that's not what we're talking about. That's self-absorption. Um, we're talking about being brutally honest with yourself about who you really are. Yes. Tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth about yourself. That's what we mean when we say self-awareness. We're not talking about self-absorption. Just be honest. Uh, dare to pray with the psalmist. He said, search my heart. That's what we mean by self-awareness. Search my heart, Lord. See if there be anything in me. And we already know as soon as we say see if there be, we already know where I know you are, I'm going to find it. <laughs> it ain't even, that's just rhetorical. <laughs> see if there's anything in me that shouldn't be. <laughs> but that's what we mean when we say self-awareness. Be ready, be willing to be brutally honest with yourself and say to the Lord, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart. And uh, the last one is be a tour guide rather than a travel agent. Here's what we mean by that statement. A tour guide sits in an office and has all kinds of wonderful pictures and pamphlets and everything to send people to wonderful places around the country or around the world. I'm sorry, a travel agent. Okay. I'm sorry, a travel agent, you know, sit in the office and they send people to all these places. They can even book it, plan the flights mm -hmm. out and all the hotel, hotel and them, yeah. but they don't go anywhere. They just send people. A tour guide actually gets on the plane or on the boat or walks the streets showing the sights, driving in the car, and they're taking these people on this journey. Mm -hmm. What we are is we're tour guides. Mm -hmm. 
We're not travel agents. What's the difference? Travel agents say, here, here's a travel agent healthy responder. You know what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> this is what you are supposed to do. And you're supposed to do this and this and you. Whereas a tour guide says, come on, let's do this together. Yes. I'm going to show you. Okay. We're going to walk this out. Sounds good. <laughs> See, tour guide sends them, and we got lots of that, especially in religious circles. There's always somebody that knows what you're supposed to do. <laughs> they could even preach whole sermons, and they get the five steps to this, the ten steps to that. But can I? Can we do life together? And can I see how it's you, done? How it's done? You know, I used to love to have these talks with the brothers. I look forward to working with men because I, I really want to be a serious travel agent for men. I don't want to be no tour, tour guide. guide. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I want to be a tour guide for men and not a mm -hmm. travel agent. As a tour guide, uh, see, I've been I've been on this journey for over forty years. For forty years, that's amazing, dear. We met in August of nineteen seventy-seven. So for more than 40 years, I've been on this journey with one woman. So as a tour guide, there are some things I can take a man through. Yeah. Not just simply say, well, here's the five steps to an improved marriage. <laughs> here's the 10 steps of how to be a better dad. Like, no, I can actually come with me. Come spend some time with me and my sons even now, at the age they are now, and just watch me engage. Watch, watch me encounter life with my sons. Just watch. Come with me and watch. That's the difference. Uh, and that's what we want to be uh, in people's lives. Uh, conclusion. Effective helpers are like surgical instruments in the hands of a physician. To be the best instruments we need to be, and I love all three of these, we need to be sharp, in your skills and attitude, need to be clean in your personal life, and need to be responsive. Uh, as responsive as I'm always ready, ready for God to use me, speak through me, uh, uh, walk through me, live life through me. Wow. And that's it. For those of you that are watching us, that's all we have. It's been a wonderful journey.